There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hill Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith, your high going to attempt to bring more energy to this podcast than the Lakers brought in Game 1, friend. Uh, today, I am joined by a special guest and a friend of mine, the co-host of the Wendy's Big Show in Milwaukee, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Steve, how are you, man? Thanks for being on the show. Hey, man. Good stuff. Can't wait to talk about Wisconsin, Nebraska, Badger recruiting, Nebraska recruiting. This will be fun. <laughs> yeah, I got I got some things in store for you um, because, you know, you you ambushed me on your show a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about this thing with the Wisconsin not being included in this super conference deal. And I'm trying to figure yep. out how in the world we're even at a place where someone would consider that Wisconsin should be included in hey. that. Uh, oh, sorry. I didn't. My bad. My bad. Hey. I didn't mean to go right there right away but i mean <laughs> tell the truth around here um <laughs> we'll jump right in each week uh we have a couple of segments that are mainstays of the show uh the first one is called coach speak where we'll go over something that a coach player or a talking head said and then we'll give you guys a straight up breakdown of what they meant coach speak to real talk now one of the reasons i wanted to have sparky on this week is because i personally feel that two of the biggest stories in sports right now are centered around things that he covers on a daily basis. The first one is the Aaron Rodgers situation and what's going on with his trade demand. And this quote came courtesy of Packers coach uh, LaFleur on Blake Bortles, who they just picked up. Quote, shoot, he's led his team to the AFC Championship. They almost knocked off the Patriots, end quote. First of all, that can't be a real quote, right? And Seki, Sparky, what in the world does that mean? Hey, man, he did. Uh, and Bortles played really, really well in that game, too. Maybe the best game he's played in his entire career was in that game. But remember now how this all sets out. Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator for the Packers, was with Bortles in Jacksonville when Bortles was really well, well played really well. So there's that connection. Plus, Bortles was with the Rams with McVay, so he has an understanding of kind of the offense that LaFleur wants to run anyhow. So from the aspect of, if Rodgers isn't going to play, which we'll find out tonight, I guess, on SportsCenter, if he actually says anything with Kenny Mayne. Uh, but if, if Rodgers isn't playing, then Bortles does make sense. If you don't think Jordan Love is ready, because Jordan Love hasn't had a preseason game, hasn't had anything, was just a scout team quarterback last year, maybe Bortles is that guy to start the season uh, and then take it as you go. If Jordan Love is ready, Blake Bortles makes sense as a backup. He knows the offense. He knows the verbiage can be a steadying influence maybe for Jordan Love. Uh, And then we'll see how it plays out from there. Okay, so there are so many interesting layers to this thing to me. Okay, I want to start here with Jordan Love. What is the sense kind of on him? Because from the outside looking in, it doesn't feel like people around the Packers feel that he's ready. Like, is that fair? Well, nobody's seen him play. I mean, I, you, how can you make an assessment on a guy that's only been scout team quarterback? Like I said, I, you know, I, and we've talked about this before. I think it's very difficult to ask a quarterback to come in. Uh, last year, you know, these rookie quarterbacks maybe 
had to do that. But even in Justin Herbert's case, he got to watch for a little while until they got rid of Tyrod Taylor. Right. But to ask a rookie quarterback to come in without any preseason snaps whatsoever and then start and take over an offense, I think that's that's a tough ask. I don't care who you are. Aaron Rodgers sat for three years. Patrick Mahomes sat for a year. So I think in the Packers' way of being, if they wanted this to go perfectly, you would have had Jordan Love play preseason this year. Jordan Love be the backup, come in and mop up duty if games got out of control for Aaron Rodgers because he was going to be the backup. They let Tim Boyle go to the Lions. And then after this year, when the salary cap number became more manageable, then they would move on from Aaron Rodgers and let Jordan Love start uh, in year three, essentially, of his career. That's how they wanted to go. Rodgers isn't stupid. He knows exactly what they wanted, and he knew he could force their hand earlier because he knew that they weren't ready for Jordan Love to go right now, and he could get back the quote-unquote controllables that he always talks about, back maybe in his advantage if he pushes the envelope here. The other part of this is, Greg, that people have to realize Rodgers was in Jordan Love's shoes. He had to sit there and be the guy that the other starting quarterback looked at knowing that he was going to replace that guy for three years. He was the guy that fans saw crap about not wanting to see, wanting to keep the old guy around forever in Brett Favre. So in a weird way, he could be doing this too to help out you know, Jordan Love to get him out of this predicament as soon as possible and let this be his football team without delaying the inevitable. Yeah, and I think that that, that is a, another sort of layers in this story is that's another one is that you generally in these situations where quarterbacks kind of are, are demanding this trade or they want to get out of there and start fresh, you don't have the situation that the Packers are in where the quarterback has been drafted to be the heir apparent, but the guy that's currently the quarterback had already been through this exact situation. Yeah. And we saw how that was handled with Brett Favre. Um, and so Aaron Rodgers has all of that experience, like everything about this in a lot of different ways is really unique. And so because of that, what is kind of the, the temperature from the, fan base because these things tend to turn on guys very quickly no matter what that guy has done for the franchise and how great he's been and Aaron Rodgers has been great I call him Robo QB around here even though he kills my bears on a regular basis so have the fans turned on him immediately on this uh yeah I mean it's kind of like Brett it's kind of split right you got those people that you know, are siding with Aaron Rodgers, didn't want Jordan Love drafted, Rodgers coming off an MVP season, why would you want to move away from a Hall of Fame quarterback? He gives you your best chance to win a Super Bowl. You've been to back-to-back conference championship games. Why move on now? It's not like he's struggling and the team's not good. So you have those people. Uh, then you have the people that probably may have had issue with Rodgers along the way anyhow. Uh, that think he's a diva quarterback like Ryan Wolf called him on the big show uh, last week that blew up nationally. Uh, you know, you have those people as well that think no quarterback should be bigger than the organization. He's under contract for three years. You're a player. Shut up and play. You sign the contract. Now go play out your, play out your contract. So that's kind of the split, I, I would say, uh, right now. I, I, you know, depending on who you talk to, some say it's 60-40 people in favor of the organization. I think it's probably closer to 50-50. Okay. And I'll definitely link. You mentioned that interview with Ron Wolf. Um, that got a lot of national attention. I will link that in the show notes um, because that <laughs> there were a few different things that got attention from that. I actually wanted to go to, to that next sure. with you. Let's break that down. Um, because I found that fascinating. There was a lot there um, that you guys talked about with Ron Wolf. And so I'll kind of ask you it this way. Was there anything that he said that caught you guys off guard or surprised you that he went there on something? Uh, the diva thing, I think we all kind of looked at each other a little bit, but he is a diva. 
And, you know, we talked about it before. I mean, I'm probably a diva. Gary Ellerson, who does the show with me, former Packer, he's definitely a diva. Yeah, he does. Yeah, does a show with me. He's a diva. I mean, we all said out here, we're like, we're all divas. Like, in, in a certain degree, if you're doing radio or TV or sports or whatever, you're probably probably all divas in a certain way or another. If you've done this long enough and you've been in the public spotlight, there's there's probably some of that with all of us. And even people that work in their regular jobs, there's probably things that you do that have diva characteristics to it to go along with it. I, I think people jumping on Ron for that was, in my mind, completely overblown. Um, but you know, that that's just our take on it. I, I didn't think it was as big of a deal as, as they made it out to be. And then the other one that, that got a lot of thing uh, was when I brought up the Brett Favre situation, because he was saying that, you know, he thinks in football, people come for the team and not the player. And I said, well, okay, but with Brett Favre, you had people that just swore off the backers. We're wearing Vikings uh, jerseys, of Brett Favre on the back of it, Jets jerseys with Brett Favre on the back of it. And I got one buddy. He still hasn't come back to the Packers after that. He switched allegiances and has been rooting for the Texans ever since. So I mean, from, from that perspective, and then he said, well, well, fine, but Lambeau Field was still full. And then everybody got upset about that. Oh, and, that but, he was, was, yeah. but, the, but the problem is, to that quote is, but Green Bay's a rarity. I mean, it's, it's like the Steelers or the Red Sox or the Yankees. Like, they're always going to be full. They're those rare teams in football. They have 130,000 people on the waiting list for season tickets for the Packers. 130,000. That's almost two full Lambeau fields full of people that want tickets. So, yeah, it's going to be full regardless of how good or how bad they are. When they were bad in the 80s, Lambeau Field was full still. So, for, for, the, for the Packers standpoint, it's different. You know, if this happens at Jacksonville, it's not going to be full if they let a Hall of Fame quarterback walk away for some rookie quarterback, I promise. Right, absolutely. Um, and, and, yeah, and I think that that quote did get a lot of attention about it's still going to be full, and it's funny for our final segment, put him on blast. I almost picked him uh, for that, but I did not. I went a different way, and I'm going to surprise you guys and save All that right. for later. Um, but um, I do think that that's true, though, in what you said, that Green Bay is a rarity, and not just a rarity in football. It's one of the probably 10 in all across American sports that are like this, where basically no matter what, it's going to be full because there is such strong allegiance to the Packers and just Green Bay and just what all of that means to people. But even with that being said, people still don't like it when you push away a Hall of Fame quarterback or it's perceived sure. as you're pushing away a Hall of Fame quarterback. You are always going to have people that kind of feel that you're on the wrong side of that because also fans aren't stupid either. They understand that it's not it's, – it's also rare what the Packers have enjoyed at the quarterback position. And you contrast that, you know, with your rivals to the south and understand that the Bears are in a situation where it's been obviously the complete opposite – and so you've got to understand both sides of that a little bit. Um, so actually, though, that also reminds me of something else. How afraid are you guys of Justin Fields? Because he's coming in to change the league, right? None. Not at <laughs> all. But, but I'll be honest with you. And, you know, I've said this before. I'm not afraid of him as long as Matt Nagy's a coach. Like, he's just horrible. And it, it, the thing that really irritates me about that situation is, is because, like you said, we're so close to Chicago. Like, my grandma – one like Bears fan of the year, like multiple times at Kenosha, Wisconsin, where I grew <laughs> up, which is right on the border of Illinois. Right. So she was a huge Bears fan. So I've lived through this my whole life. But last year, when they decided that they were going to let Laser be the offensive coordinator, 
And then they discovered Montgomery actually could run the ball when given the opportunity. And they had so much success offensively at the second half of the year. Then for the year to be done and they get to go, oh, I'm taking back the play calling duties. I, I just shook my head and said, you're a complete idiot. Like, I mean, there, there's no other explanation. So now he's going to take Justin Fields. He's going to put him in a spread offense. They're going to forget about Montgomery at running back, put all the pressure on that offensive line to have to protect Fields and put Fields in a no-win situation, in my mind. And then you have Andy Dalton, who definitely doesn't belong in that situation at all. But at least Dalton could, you know, be the one to take the bullets for the first year. Maybe they don't play well. Nagy gets fired. They get a real coach in there. And then Fields gets to develop. I'm a firm believer that, you know, these great quarterbacks are great quarterbacks in large part to the coaching and the situation that they're put in. And I think if you were to take some quarterbacks and put them in different situations, they probably would have had better careers. And that is what it's going to be for Justin Fields. The I, I think the sooner Matt Nagy gets out of Chicago, the better it'll be for his career. It's funny you say that, too, because um, I had a, uh, Nick Hanley was on a show a couple of weeks ago, hosts a show on ESPN 590 in Omaha, and he's another longtime Bears sufferer like myself. And we basically had that same discussion, which is the one thing that makes you not excited about the Justin Fields, about Justin Fields coming in is that Matt Nagy is still the coach. Because yep. the thing that started to build in Chicago, or at least with Bears fans, I don't know if it built enough with management, is that we thought we were going towards, okay, there's going to be some real changes here, and then we can get this thing switched up, and maybe they can take off, because we don't think it's happening with Nagy. And it's funny that now I'm safe in saying that Packers fans are like, hey, as long as Matt Nagy is around, we're good. I know that Vikings fans feel that way, too. Uh, Lions fans are just kind of out here in the wilderness. They're excited about what they've got going on, but you know, it's the Lions. So like, it's frustrating to see that be the case because I feel like once again, the bears are just in this situation where they're wasting great defensive talent because the offense is never going to figure it out because the coach is an offensive coach and he can't get it together. Well, the other thing too is, you know, our afternoon show is Robbie Mackloff who does afternoon express in Milwaukee and then does a show on the score in Chicago on Sunday. So he's on both sides of it. He's a huge Bears fan. He was livid. I mean, hot, mad about the Justin Fields trade. Not that it was Justin Fields, but because they allowed Ryan Pace to trade away future picks, which in Robbie's mind means Ryan Pace is going to be here for a while if they allowed him to trade future assets away. And he viewed that as a negative, meaning they're stuck with Pace and probably Nagy for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I had actually considered that. Um, but shifting gears here quickly, because I did want to get to the other big topic. I mentioned it off the top that we had two big topics that I really wanted to hit with you um, and two that I think are huge uh, topics in sports, obviously the Rodgers situation. The other one, though, may not be one that's top of mind, but it is, I know, for you. The Milwaukee Bucks and what's happening with them and specifically with Giannis and him being able to take the Bucks to a championship. Listen, I like Giannis. I'm a big fan of him. I was hoping that he would find a way to make his way to L.A. like we do for all stars. Right. Um, But as you shake your head, but he stayed there. He committed to you guys. He wanted to make this work in Milwaukee. But they've continued to come up short year after year. They won the first game in the playoff series here in overtime um, over the weekend. Chris Middleton had a great game and saved the day. What is it? And it's weird because it's a, it's another one of those, as we keep using this word, rare situations where the Bucks have one of what I feel is one of the few true superstars in the game, obviously, in Giannis. But they've got this kind of push pull, this little bit of an issue getting over the hump. 
How big is this playoff run for Milwaukee? And do you think that that pressure is mounting on them to make a deep run, if not win the whole thing? There's a piece in the athletic last week or two weeks ago uh, that said if Budenholzer gets eliminated in the first round, the Bucks head coach, he's fired. He gets eliminated in the second round, he's fired. The second round is going to be the Nets, mind you. Uh, if he gets eliminated in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, he may be fired depending on how they get beat. They get eliminated in the NBA Finals, he may get fired depending on how they get beat. Uh, and the Bucs situation is really screwed up because their ownership, the governor, which is you know who represents the, the Bucs at the team meetings for the owners' meetings or whatever, changes every five years between two different guys, Mark Lazary and Wesley Edens. Well, Mark Lazary is who is now in charge of this situation. Mark Lazary was the one that went behind Larry Drew's back and went and made the trade for Jason Kidd and is a huge Jason Kidd guy. Wesley Edens really didn't know what was going on at that point, so he let Mark Lazary run it. So for the last several years, Edens has been the guy kind of in charge. Well, Lazary just got back in charge. Mark Lazary is a fan, as much of a fan as there can be. There's been stories written about Lazary bringing all his boys from New York on his private jet, coming to see his Bucks play and then flying back and all of that stuff. So he's all about that. Right. Splashy names, big names. Um, Jason Kidd, big name. Not good for Mike Boonholzer right now. Right. I mean, if they lose to the C team, he's definitely gone. Uh, I don't think they can beat the Nets, regardless of who the coach is at this point. I, I just don't think they have enough talent. Uh, so if they lose to the Nets, odds are he's probably gone there, too. Who does he go get? I don't know. I mean, president of the Toronto Raptors may be available and. That may be a big splashy name hire for the Bucks to go get to put him in charge of this Bucks basketball operation, let him hire his own coach, uh, and then see what the Bucks can do from that standpoint. Is there pressure? Yes. More pressure on Mike Boonholzer, I think, than anybody else. Middleton's long-term, Holiday's long-term, Giannis is long-term. They're here. The surrounding pieces, you know, those could change over the course of time that they can't figure it out. Yeah, and that's man, that's fascinating because while I have read some of the stuff about Budenholzer being um, on the hot seat, like an extreme hot seat. But I really didn't think like that it would be, he would be the top guy because the superstar of the team tends to take a lot of that. But at the same time, though, usually before you get to that point where people are really clamoring against the superstar, it does fall on the coach <laughs> before you hit that. So that does make sense. And the Masai Ujiri thing makes it makes sense, though, because think about it with with him. People have always talked about him potentially leaving Toronto, and it is weird that they have not yet to work out that contract extension, and he seems to be totally content to take his time with that. Um, and there was always a lot of like, hey, maybe the Knicks go and get him and these other like kind of rundown franchises that had past success. But the Bucks would make a lot of sense for him if, if he were to leave that situation. It's, a, it's another kind of lower key market, but you end up coming into having one of the top five players in the league and you can't go wrong with that. Like that's a situation that any GM president of basketball operations would want to come in and take over. You don't have to trade for a a superstar player for a year like he did in Kawhi and then figure it out. I mean, he's got a superstar signed to a long deal that's going to be here and an MVP, multiple MVP and Giannis as well. Uh, Giannis gets no heat. Giannis is untouchable. Fan base will not criticize him really. Uh, untouchable. The guy that gets the most heat is Chris Middleton by far. Uh, he's the one that gets the most heat because people don't think he deserves the money that he gets paid. Uh, last night went some way to shutting those people up. Yeah, and he get, and now listen, he gets paid a ton. Um, and so I kind of understand that but at the same time. He's really kind of, he's one of those guys, I think, that is 
almost underrated, but he's also more valuable to the Bucks in what they do than I think than what he would be if, let's say, you just put him on a random team and you put him on the Kings and said, hey, make that team better. Maybe that doesn't happen. He's not carrying them to a conference final. But as the number two banana to Giannis, I think he's very valuable in that situation. Well, I can say what you want about Middleton versus Giannis. Middleton appears to have a bigger clutch gene than Giannis has the last, you know, three, four years. Middleton has been that guy at end of games that's come up big with big shots. Giannis has had a couple. Now, you need to see last night in that game situation. If that's LeBron James, he's got the ball, he's, he's taking that shot. And there was no consideration from Middleton that he was going to pass that ball. Middleton was taking that shot. Uh, and that wasn't an easy shot for Middleton to hit anyhow. Uh, and he still hit that shot. And so that'll be a focus of conversation on our show today is, you know, does he deserve more credit than you all give him on a day-to-day basis? Because he is a lightning rod. You say Curtis Middleton, the phone lines light up and people go crazy. Uh, so hopefully today he gets some credit finally. Yeah, I mean, just for today, because, you know, fans' memories are very short and we'll, <laughs> it'll end up being where if he has a clunker in the next game, game two, um, then your phone lines will be lit up the other way. Uh, so I know that'll be a lot of fun for you guys later today. But every week we end the show with a, a segment called Put Them on Blast. It's my favorite segment every week where we basically put someone on blast for something that they did or said. Put them on blast. I alluded to this earlier. I'm going to go first. Um, I, I'm going to throw you guys a curveball because you guys know big Lakers fan here so LeBron James fan around here but today we're gonna go with LeBron James for me I gotta put him on blast not because of how he played last night but because he violated the safety protocols in the NBA and I'm I'm not surprised that the league did not come down harder on him gave him a slap on the wrist Uh, I had never actually seen in any of these cases that they that the NBA said that hey you could get a fine or a warning or just really nothing it's not an automatic suspension I didn't even know that after going through an entire yeah. season of this um, I'm not going to be mad at it in this case but at the same time I understand why people are a little upset as you shake your head at it but we're throwing it putting them on blast for him being at the tequila party uh, with the lodge for with Drake and friends because to me that was honestly just a symbol of how unprepared this team has been to enter the playoffs like we went from LeBron remember um even back to the Miami days and definitely in that second Cleveland run the playoffs will come LeBron tweets out or puts on Instagram hey it's zero dark 30 I'm not posting another thing I'm not doing anything else I was a fan of that I like that I think that it sets the tone for what the team needs to do and the mindset that those guys need to be in and I think this year it's more important than ever for him and his team to get locked in because what did we hear all week leading up to that Suns game, right? After, as soon as the Warriors game, really even before that, because that's when the party also happened was before the Warriors game. It was, oh, the Lakers might get the 7 or 8 seed, but it doesn't matter who they play. They're just going to walk through them. And I think at a certain point, these guys that are on the team that haven't been through a championship run, your Dennis Schroeders, your Montrez Harrells, Andre Drummond, who's been wasting away in Detroit, like that, that seeps into your mind, right? And you think you're just going to show up. AD looked like that in last night's game. LeBron sets the tone. He needs to set the tone with that and lock out all the rest of this stuff. No more tequila parties. Zero dark 30. Let's go get ring number 18. So I got to put him on blast for that. Sparky, who are you putting on blast? Well, I'm sure you guys probably already put this dude on blast already, but I've been on this show. So Tony LaBruce is a moron. I mean, I... I don't even know where else you could even possibly think of it, like other than Tony LaRusse at this point for the Chicago White Sox. 
Yeah, look, I, I, I get old school rules. I get thrown at guys and retaliating, protecting your players. He protected Albert Pujols uh, as much as any manager's ever protected a player. Pujols got nicked regardless of if it was on purpose or not. Somebody else was getting hit the next time up. Right. Uh, I, I get that. But if you put a position player in to hit or to pitch, you give up. And if you give up, I don't really care what happens after that. So you hit a grand slam off of them or you hit a home run off of them. That's on you. That's not on us. You're the one that gave up and didn't want to use any more bullpen pitchers. So I had no issue with that whatsoever. And then him not wanting to defend his players when they throw behind his player, that really just pushed it over the top more. And I heard somebody bring up an uh, interesting point of maybe, you know, you get a devil's advocate. Maybe LaRusa is just trying to get this team to bond even more. Maybe it's them against LaRusa. And so be it. If that's what it takes to rally around, you know, us versus the manager, so be it. Maybe that's LaRusa's master plan at the end of the day, or he's just a crazy old guy. I tend to, uh, to assume he's a crazy old guy. That's kind of where I'm at. But like my, my co-host from, uh, you know, years doing the Brewers postgame show on our station, Tim Allen says, I'm not going to criticize LaRusa. The man's had too much success. The man has done crazy things before, and it's worked out, and he's won World Series rings. And at the end of the day, the White Sox are loaded, and they very well may end up winning another World Series ring, and all this will go away. But that doesn't mean that he was dead wrong on what he did and what he said, and I'm 110% against it. And, you know, as much as you and I disagree, I'm bringing back that BCS formula for college football. <laughs> I got another idea for you for baseball. There should just be a, a, almost like a mercy rule in baseball. Like if you're down 10 or more runs after the seventh inning, if the opposing manager says we give and it's on the opposing manager, it's on automatic. The opposing manager goes, I don't want to waste any more pitchers. I don't want to pitch position players. We're done. Walk off the field after seven. Fine with me. I got no problem. The opposing manager goes, no, we're good. Let's play it out. Okay, fine. Play it out. You leave it to the opposing manager of what they want to do. You know, if it's 20 to two after seven, then walk off and be done. Why play it out if you don't have to? Anything is better than putting a position player in a position to hurt their elbow or do something stupid on the mound, hurt that and get that guy hurt, um, or waste everybody's time watching a position player play. You know, you don't pay your hard-earned money to watch a position player pitch at a major league baseball game. Yeah, absolutely. And I could not agree with you more about putting Tony Lewis on blast as a White Sox fan. If you ever want to, like one day I'm going to have to do this where I just like have my dad pre-record or put him on blast with Tony Larusa because he can't stand him. If you ever want to get my dad fired up, just listen to him talk about Tony Larusa. Um, because there's also the weird 3-0 deal where he's then going back and forth with his players saying that yep. guy's got a locker and I've got an office. Like, and then yep. the team is openly trolling him on like Instagram live and stuff. But you are right. It may end up going away because team is just loaded even with the injuries like I've been hearing for years about how the White Sox have so many guys coming up in the system and we've drafted this guy and stashed that guy and it finally has all come together and you see it because they are absolutely loaded and they may end up winning the whole thing but it will be in spite of Tony La Russa to the players opinion um, but it'll be interesting to see it play out a hundred percent now, Sparky, I definitely thank you for coming on. Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you only leave four, I am inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure you're checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own podcast, the Varsity Club, the Nebraska Preps postgame show, and the Hill Varsity radio show. Also, make sure you're checking out the Hill Varsity YouTube page. I'll be back on there doing another recruiting question of the week here shortly. Thank you, sweet. 
Huh? Uh, well, we'll see. Not all of those are mine. Um, only a handful of them, but I do sleep every once in a while uh, if I'm not working out. Um, you can also get after us on Twitter at Greg Smith HB. He's at Sparky Radio. Um, we have an email straight up breakdown at hailvarsity.com. Thank you again, Sparky. I will catch you guys next week. A Huda Media Production.